Welcome back to Iconoclast Tribe. This is episode two, David Avedon, and with my guest, Neil Martin. The last episode we were talking about religion, control, what Iconoclast meant, and we're just going to pick up from where we left off on the last one. Yeah, well, and you promised to give me the origin story for why Iconoclast and, and like what this means to you. So, you know, let's go there. So I grew up in um, a family here in, of course, the United States with a background of a smattering of different denominations of Christianity. And if you're not familiar with Christianity, it's just there's so many little segmented. There's Pentecostal churches and Baptist churches and Methodists, and then there's Wesleyan Methodists and Southern Baptists. So every there's just it's almost like looking at a tree where there's this big trunk called Christianity, and this big branch says this this says Baptist, and this says Presbyterian, and this says Methodist, and then each one of those branches has more branches, little tinier offshoots. And so the reason I went on that little rabbit trail there was to say that I did not have a a set religion. Like my wife was raised in the Roman Catholic Church, period. But I started off, I was in a little what was called holiness church. And then from there we went to a Baptist church for a short time, a Southern Baptist, Southern Free Will Baptist, if you would. (laughs) And then we went from there to a Wesleyan Methodist church. Now, as a young boy, none of these things meant it was just church. But then I spent the rest of my days at home as a youth and teenager in that particular church until I was about high school age. And then my parents allowed me to attend a different church because they had a better youth group with pretty girls. But... Um, but the whole time that I'm in this church situation growing up, there was so much that was do's and don'ts. And I was taught to fear God. And fear meant just that. I mean, as a kid, I was terrified of dying young because I, I was certain that I would have done something on the particular day I died that I was going to hell forever. And I was terrified. And I I never thought anything about it, except that I didn't want to do that. But I never questioned, is this really true? Because it was all I was ever taught. If I grew up being taught that yellow was orange and nobody ever came along and said, oh, by the way, that's really not, you know, the right color. But as, as I grew and became an adult, I stayed within the church. And then I had several instances of being in and out, doing out in the world, as, it, as it's called, uh, just kind of living for myself. But going through, just growing. In my 20s, I ended up starting to work in ministry. Now, I worked a full secular job, full-time secular job, but I was also doing full-time ministry. So I was really cranking it a lot of hours but it wasn't based on a relationship which is what we kind of touched on in the last episode it was based on all of these works to please some deity i.e. God and I was really getting myself into this nice pattern of knowing what God wanted 
and telling everybody else how they were missing it. I, I had become truly an ass. You can follow that with whole if you want, because <laughs> is truthfully it was. I mean, I was a, a horrible person. I was a good person at heart because I would help people. But if I was di dialoguing with them about God and religion, I would point out to them how they were definitely not pleasing God by their lifestyle or whatever, because that's who I thought you know I needed to be. But again, that was a learned behavior. So fast forward, all of a sudden here I am, 45. Actually, I was, no, I would say I was 41. And I went through some training, some transformational coaching, and I got around some other ideas. And at first I truly rejected those ideas because they, or they flew in the face of what I thought I knew, but honestly, they didn't. But I had I was so indoctrinated and so opinionated that I would not allow anything else in. But little by little, I started to think. And I started to look at, okay, why do I believe what I'm believing? Fast forward a few more years, I find myself going through divorce after 23 years with my wife. And I had some, some really hard dark days and what those pressed into me was what am I really doing what do I really know and in going through those I emerged on the other side with a whole different idea of what my identity was and even to this day so here we are nine ten years later and I have a totally different concept and yet I'm still evolving, still emerging into being who I really am. So when you ask, where does this podcast, where does this idea of, of, of Iconoclast Tribe come from, it, it actually originates in that whole thought process of destroying all of those ideas that were just passed down to me. I'm not saying every one of them was bad, but there was enough in there. I mean, I'm sorry, but strychnine, if you mix it in with your food, even a drop, still, still poison, right? So... You know, which part of that meal don't you want to eat? It's like, well, the, it's in there somewhere. It's like, thanks, but no thanks. I'm, I'm going to go somewhere else to eat. And the iconoclast is breaking those religious ideas, those venerated models and statues and dogmas that really don't serve. All they serve is to keep a person feeling broken. Oh, I'm a sinner. I have this identity that I can't please God. And it's preached. I mean, it's really just hammered into individuals within the church. I think part of it's the difference between, like, especially with kids, it's the difference between teaching children how to think and what to think. And I, and I think there are so many things in our culture and in society, you know, school system, religious systems, whatever, where we teach people what to think. We give them opinion as if it's a fact. Whereas what we should do is teach our kids to question things. You oh, know, to, to think but that's for subversive. themselves. To actually go, okay, I hear what you're saying, but how many other points of view are on this? You know, one, one of my favorite things to do when it comes to reading a book on any new subject, when I'm trying to learn anything new, I don't read one book. I read like three, four, five books on the same thing. Because I don't want to read one book and then just absorb that opinion and make it mine. 
I want to read different books with different viewpoints and go, okay, from all of this, what do I think my view on this is based on all the stuff that I've just read or consumed or listened to or I've learned? And like, how do those things sit with me and what feels true for me and my beliefs and my identity and who I am? Rather than, okay, someone tells me black is white, now black is white, and I have to accept that. Right. You've seen whole nations demonize other nations. Every time there's a war, we demonize or, or the, whoever is involved in that war. Nazi Germany demonized the Jewish people. But we demonized the Japanese. The Japanese demonized us. But now, look, who's in, who are we in, in constant business with? The Japanese. I mean, there, there's probably... I drive, I drive a Nissan. But let's look, 80 years ago yesterday... The Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. But that was a transitory thing. So now it's not that. And when... Let's go back to you saying you like to to read something. And if you do, you want to read three or four things. Because you want to get kind of a, a holographic view of it. You want more than just one angle. You want to see it from as many facets as possible. Were you taught that? No, I, like when I was a kid, certainly, especially in the school system, it was like, you know, black is black, white is white. It was like, you know, this is how something is. And I think for me, and you know, maybe we can talk a bit more about some of my backstory in the next episode. But, you know, I think for me very much, I went, you talked to, in episode one about masks. I went through the, the majority of my life wearing a mask. I went through my life trying to show up as who I thought I needed to be to impress you rather than being who I truly was, which basically meant that I never felt good with myself. Because every time I showed up trying to be what I thought I needed to be, I never thought I did that thing well enough because it wasn't actually me. And you have the icon. You have these, and when we say mask, I I mean mask plural. Because I have a different mask for different events. Absolutely. You know, who do, who, who do I need to be here? Now, both my parents are deceased, so I don't have to put the good boy mask on. But they're still, over and over, the, throughout the week, I find numerous occasions to utilize a mask or go, well, well no, I'm not going to do that this time. But you, I think you keyed in on it when you said that you couldn't do it well enough because it wasn't you. Yep. There's only, there's only one game no one can ever beat me at. And that's being me. But if I'm trying to be somebody else, I'll always lose. And, who, and that's the thing I don't think any of us ever stop to think about. Is we are trying to be like someone else, but it's so arbitrary and ambiguous. It's like, well, which one am I supposed to be? Is it the football star? Is it the multimillionaire? Is it the playboy or or the the supermodel or the supermom? Whoever that, that avatar out there is. But as you said, it's not me. And if it's not me, how can I be that? And here's the other thing I'd say on that, and maybe a good place for us to wrap this episode and move on to the next one, but everyone I've ever met that's considered iconic, 
and I've met quite a few people who are icons in their game, okay? Every single person I've ever met that's considered iconic, when you actually sit and give them your attention, they're a regular human being just like you or I. Every single one. But if you treat them like they're the icon you think they are, you'll never get to know that person. Because even if they're iconic for who they truly are, even if they're not wearing a mask, when you treat them like this person on high rather than just another regular human being on your level, they can't show up for you in the way, or, or you don't show up for them in the way that actually puts you on a level playing field that gives you clear, honest communication. Because there's there's kind of some... I don't know, some weird thing. There's some weird feeling of like that fanboy type culture, you know? If you're being a fanboy on someone, they can't be your friend. You know, they can't treat you like a regular person, even if they're trying to, because of the way you're judging every single thing they do. You know, and I think, again, a, a big thing for me in all of this that we've talked about so far is like, we live in a world with way too much judgment on it. Like, who are we to judge other people based on... Yeah, Don't get me wrong, there's some behavior. I think all of us judge, and although it's all opinion, I think there's certain behavior where actually it's unacceptable and you will find very few people who will disagree with you on that. Okay, so there's a, like a common belief of certain standards of things that are unacceptable in, in, you know, in the world we live in or in any world. But we judge way too many things. And we judge things that really don't matter, like, you know, the color of your car or the brand of your clothes or like, we, you know, these things that are icons, we let dictate how we view other people rather than getting to know them as individuals. And you will tie it up here. But one parting thought is when you said the, that if, if we are around someone who's iconic, they didn't make themselves an icon. No icon ever, ever creates itself and says, I'm an icon. It's generated by those around who venerate, who put that, that thing, that person on a pedestal and says, oh, this is worthy of my worship. This is what I, I strive to attain to. But like you said, if you come at it from an angle of we're peers, then you have a whole different dialogue. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you're listening to this and like you want to view us as peers and you like what we've been doing on these episodes so far, then um, do us a favor, you know, jump into iTunes, make sure you subscribe. Um, But more than that, leave us a review. Give us some feedback. Give us a five star review. Let us know that you're enjoying this podcast so far and we'll be back on the next episode. See you then.